Welcome to the Entourage Podcast. My name is Paige Scott, and I'm going to be your host. Entourage Ministries gets its inspiration from Psalm 6811 that says, The Lord gives the command, and a great army of women proclaim the good news. Entourage is a multi-generational, multi-denominational, multicultural women's ministry based in Durant, Oklahoma. Join us today as we dive into truth from the Word so that your heart and spirit may be encouraged. Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Entourage podcast. I'm so glad to be with you today. I'm Annette Rustin, and I'm a member of the Entourage team. I have with me today a friend, Tanya McElfresh. Did I say your name right? Yes, you did. Oh, good. (laughs) Anyway, I'm so glad to have her here with me. If you listened to our 100th podcast, you know that Paige shared the tip version of how to share your testimony, which is tell the story, invite people to walk in the same um, knowledge that the Lord has given, and then to pray that prayer, inviting Him to move in that way in your life. And so today, that's what we're going to do together. Tanya and I are going to have a conversation, and uh, just we invite you to make yourselves comfortable, get a cup of coffee or whatever maybe iced tea, whatever sounds good to you, and relax with us as we share together. So, Tanya, you want to just say hello to everybody? Good morning. It's an honor to be here today and to share my story. And my hope is just that my story will bless somebody and perhaps help them if they're suffering from depression some ways or Mm -hmm. some idea that the Lord will lead them through that and for Mm. them to realize that God will get them through it and that there is an answer if they'll just turn their lives over to God and focus Mm. on God that he won't leave them alone or desert them. He'll lead them through that muddy water. Yes. Amen. That's scriptural in it, that he will never leave us or forsake us no matter where we find ourselves. Yes. Yes. On our journey. Amen. Thank you. Well, why don't you just begin by kind of telling us how you met the Lord and what, how that relationship developed? Okay. Um, I was raised by my grandparents in Bryan County from the time I was four months old. And when I was 15, my grandfather, who I thought was my whole life, I mean, he was just my be-all, oh. end-all, never got out of my sight kind of thing, was killed in a tractor accident. He and I were mowing together, and it was very tragic. And I thought my world ended that day. I remember standing in our old cow lot, screaming in Mm. anger at God, saying, how dare you take the only person in my life that I have, I felt like at that time, that loved me. And, And I was so angry. So for a long time, even though I had been saved when I was about eight or nine in a, in a little Assembly of God church in Yarnaby, oh. Oklahoma. Um, and I knew the Lord, but I went through a period that I was just so angry sure. that I, I just couldn't understand how there could really be a God that I'd mm-hmm. heard about all these years yeah. that would do such a thing. Mm-hmm. And I felt so alone. Um, so I turned away from God for a pretty good period of my life. Um, didn't read my Bible, would go occasionally to church, but kind of hit and miss, nothing, you know, nothing consistent. So I got married, had two babies, and when I was in my 20s, about mid-20s, I saw that our marriage was in trouble, and 
Uh, it was my high school sweetheart, 15 mm. years old, the only person I'd ever dated, didn't know anybody else in my life. That was it. Um, and so we ended our marriage. It was just not working. And, and so we ended our marriage. And that spiraled me even into another depression, but a yeah. severe depression mm. that time. Mm. I was so, so depressed and I felt like I had nowhere to turn. Um, I had family, obviously, a lot of family in Bryan County, but I wasn't close to them. Um, my mom and dad lived out in California and were doing their thing in their life and had not really been much of a part of mine. They visited mm-hmm. occasionally, but not you know, not even every year. I mean, sometimes it'd be two years before I saw him or three years and had one brother who had been raised by our other grandparents in California. So I didn't know him really. I mean, I knew him, but not, you know, we just didn't have a close sibling relationship. So I was on the farm, had cows to take care of, peanut crops to get in, all these things that had happened and trying to figure out how I was going to do that by myself and go to school. And so I was working as an after-school janitor at, at Blue School and then also went to work nights and weekends at the Dairy Queen. I was still trying to go to high school. And thank God, and, and I mean, that he's always surrounded me by someone to help me. So I had a high mm. school teacher, Mr. Roundtree, who took me under his wing and, mm. and took me to counseling and got me some help and took mm. me to show me about college. Nobody in my family had ever graduated from college or even went to college. Yeah. So he took me and introduced me to that. So anyway, I was, you know, I managed to have a degree and be able to take care of myself, but I was still just severely depressed at my failed marriage and Mm. feeling alone in the world. Let's think about that for a minute, because that is two major life events, isn't it? Especially for a young person to have to go through. Yeah. And not very many years apart. Right. Either. So I really, really felt just overwhelmed. Yeah. I was so overwhelmed and yeah. financially struggling and, and just everything, you mm-hmm. know, where I, but the biggest part was that feeling of being alone that mm-hmm. I just felt like I had nowhere to turn and nowhere to go and nobody, Yeah, you know. So then I jumped into way too quickly out of the fire into the firing pen, <laughs> uh, a gentleman, a relationship with a gentleman that was very different. I'd grown up on the farm around cowboys and cowgirls and very rural life. He was from the big city. He was from Massachusetts. He wore Ah. suits and ties. Mm. He was a businessman, nothing like anything I'd ever experienced in my life. And I fell madly in love with him, gave up my good job, hiked it off to Massachusetts to follow this person Mm. who turned out to be a nightmare. He Mm. was emotionally and physically abusive. Again, feeling like I got nowhere to turn. Where am I going to go now? I don't have a job. Don't have a home. Two little kids. What am I going to do? Thousands of miles from home. It was the first time I'd ever been out of Bryan County. Wow. Uh, No idea where to go, what to do, anything. Mm -hmm. Again, God sends me a Savior, a dear friend that flew to Massachusetts to help drive me back. But then was the dilemma of, well, where am I going to stay now that I'm back? So... God bless my ex-husband, let me and the girls move in a bedroom. Imagine having to swallow your pride and move back in with your ex-husband, but I literally had no choice. Mm -hmm. So I moved back in with him. Um, 
and it didn't wasn't meant to be a couple thing it just he was providing a shelter for the girls and I'm sure tolerating me in the process <laughs> I'm not, I don't imagine he was too happy about the deal either but anyway um, there we were and God bless him for being there for me he was a good mm. good man we just married too young mm. you know and grew apart but he was a good person um so but during that time so now I'm feeling like I've, I've given up my career, have no career. I'm a mother, but I'm failing as a mother because I can't even provide a place mm. to live for my children. Mm. Then in the midst of that, I wrecked my car. The insurance wouldn't even pay enough to pay it off, let alone oh, buy no. it. So now I have no car, mm. two children, no job, living in a house with my ex-husband, embarrassed, mm. you know, all those emotions. And, and so I just kept spiraling down and down and down. Um, and so it got so bad that I literally wrote my goodbye letters, mm. planned out how I was going to do it. Mm. Uh, I literally bought the stuff. So I had this ingenious, I thought, plan of I was going to hook a dryer vent and tape it to my um, pie, my car mm -hmm. exhaust and tape it in the window. And I was going to just take me some sleeping pills and get in that car and yeah. that was going to be it. I'd had it. I'd had enough. I just couldn't do it. But I was real concerned about, well, who's going to take care of my babies? They had sure. their daddy. But that was in the back of my mind. But I still was so depressed that mm -hmm. I just felt like I don't have anywhere to turn. Yeah. I can't do this anymore, God. Yeah. I, I can't do it. And so in the midst of that, though, I mean, literally in the midst of it, when, she, when Paige talked last night about a still, small voice, mm -hmm. I heard very distinctly a still, small voice saying, this is not the plan I have for you. I wow. have a plan for you. Wow. And, and so that brought me to Jeremiah 29, 11. I know I have mm. the plans for you, plans to for peace, not evil, and to give you hope and a future or to prosper yes. you, whatever, however that verse exactly I love goes. that verse. But I love that. Yes, I do. Now I have it tattooed oh, on my awesome. arm, my very first tattoo. Oh, you girls can't see that, I, but I, I, I'm looking yes. at her arm right now. There yep, it is. <laughs> there's my Jeremiah 29, 11, and it's awesome. my reminder every time now yes. when I feel like I'm getting overwhelmed, I just glance down at that yes. and, and stop myself and take a step back and yes. pray and say there is a plan Tanya you may yes. not be able to see it but there is a plan so yes. stop yes <laughs> pray and stop let God yes. let go and let God and so, so for those of you that may not be real familiar with that verse without looking that up it is Jeremiah 29 11 but it says for I know the plans I have for you says the Lord plans to prosper yes. you and not to harm you. Yes, yes. And so, so I think that, that's yeah. interesting right here that that's the verse that he brought to you when yeah. you had plans to harm uh -huh. yourself. Yes. But he said, that's not my plan. Yeah. And, it, and I couldn't imagine that because in my mind, I couldn't think, well, what plan could you possibly have for me? <laughs> I mean, nothing in my plans of life has worked. Right. You know, but yeah. that was the problem. It was my plan. Mm. I wasn't listening to God. That's good. And his plan. That That's was good. my plans. And mm -hmm. so I had to, you know, to work through that. Mm -hmm. And then uh, some other verses that kind of didn't come right that minute, but then in the next few days came were um, give your burdens to the Lord and he'll take care of you. Psalms mm -hmm. 55, 22. And I've, 
I'm paraphrasing these, obviously. I can do everything through Christ who gives me strength. Amen. Uh, yeah, Philemon mm-hmm. 4, 13, Philemon. And come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, mm-hmm. and I'll give you rest. Mm-hmm. Matthew eleven twenty eight. Mm-hmm. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. Deuteronomy 31, 8. And so Amen. through the next few days and weeks, it seemed like those verses would just play out in my love mind that. and come to my mind. Mm-hmm. And as I then pick my Bible back up and begin to search and study and pray again, mm-hmm. many other verses about mm-hmm. God being there for me and not to worry and mm-hmm. those kinds of things would yeah. just keep reappearing and reappearing and guiding me, you mm-hmm. know, and it wasn't, it was an instant fix to literally stop me from committing suicide, but it wasn't an instant fix to the depression, but sure. God gave me the grace to seek help too. Okay. And so I had God, but then I also, I felt like it was him leading me to mm-hmm. counseling because you know, it's a hard thing to admit that something's wrong, really wrong with you, <laughs> and there you are flawed, and you need need help, God's mm-hmm. help, and and sometimes chemical, you know, through medicines that mm-hmm. helped me balance my chemicals out. But mm-hmm. it was God who got me through it, and Amen. who and who encouraged me to go to counseling yes. and to stay in counseling because I'd gone. In, in years past, often, but I would never stay with it. I'd mm-hmm. go a little bit, and then I'd quit, and I'd go a little bit, and I'd quit. <laughs> I'd take the medicine a while, and I'd quit. Yeah. Take the medicine a while, and quit. Because mm-hmm. we tend to think that as soon as we feel better, we don't need that anymore. And, like, I think of God, like, when things are going good in our life, we don't always spend as much time thinking about or focusing on God as we do when we're in that valley and then yeah. want to reach out and yeah. beg for help and, right. and you know, not, but we just don't always stay yes. as focused on God mm. as we need to and listening to him. I think that's really good because um, he is our rescuer and we can call out to him yeah. in a moment of desperation yeah. And he'll provide a way like he did for you. But he's not only a rescuer. I love that he wants to live in relationship. So, yes, he will meet us at our point of need when we need a rescuer. And then he invites us, Dadney, Tanya, to walk with him and pursue a relationship with him that goes through every day, all the ups, all the downs, and all the in-betweens. It was shortly after that I had to, I started back to work and I had to go to a conference in Washington, D.C. And during my downtime, I had had a little nun that I was friends with and she said, do you carry a Bible with you? And I said, Mm. well, no, not everywhere I go (laughs) when I go to church. And she said, you get you a Bible. And in fact, she ended up giving me one. She said, you put this in your purse and don't you ever leave home without your Bible. <laughs> so I did. Well, yes, ma'am. <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay. So I was at this conference in Washington, D.C., and I had read was reading my Bible one morning before I went down to breakfast into the conference, and it was like I just couldn't get enough. And so I went on to my conference, but at break, and people that know me know I love to visit, and I'm Chatty Cathy, so the last (laughs) thing I ever do during break is go back to my room. (laughs) But during that time, at break, I went back to my room, and I read that Bible some more. And at lunch, I went back to my room. And and that entire week, every Mm. breakfast, every break, every lunch, after the conference, and I always went out with people to eat after and socialized, but that week... 
I went back to my room. I read the entire New Testament that week. Wow. Never in my life, <laughs> then or since, had I had that strong mm. of a craving yes. for God's Word. I mean, I've yes. had, you know, I, I want now, I live every yes. day in God's Word, but but that craving, it was yeah. like no matter how much I read, I just could not get enough. Yeah. So I know it was God filling me even yeah. more with strength to help overcome, yes. you know, still the depression and the obstacles that, you know, yes. were still there financially. Yeah. I was still struggling and that kind of thing. But, I mean, it was that whole, and I still carry that beat up little bitty Bible <laughs> in my purse. You better. <laughs> oh, yeah, I carry my Bible. Sister Mary Maloney, That's I'll never great. forget her. That's right. And, and so anyway, that was, mm. you know, that was how it played mm. out. I just could not get enough. Mm. And I think that's because God knows yeah. when we need him and need him more. We always need him. But I think when we need him yeah. more and he was trying to speak to me through his word, which we know mm. he does and mm. fulfill that hole in my heart that yes. I just felt so alone. So yeah. I finally, during that season, stopped feeling alone. You know, that was the period that got me past that. Well, I might not have a spouse or a close sibling or a favorite aunt or a grandma mm -hmm. that's still alive, but I've yeah. got God. Yes. And we've always got God. Yes. And so that was what got me through mm. that horrible, horrible time. And mm. many others since yeah. then was knowing now that I've got God. He's always there. He's never going to forsake me, never going to leave me. He'll that's always right. be there for me. Yes. Amen. That that brings two scriptures to my mind. And one is Jeremiah 29. I think it's verse 30. The next one after uh -huh. 29:11. So it would be 12 or 13. Somewhere I don't know. There, yeah. It's in there yes. in that chapter. Yes. Um where it says um when you seek me with your whole heart you I, you will find me. I will be found by you. And I look at that as a promise. You know, sometimes we feel so away from God, so far away. Mm -hmm. And like, does he really know where I am? Does he really care about mm -hmm. what's happening to me? And I just, I stand on that promise that when we truly seek him, his word says he will be found. We can find him. And a verse that kind of pairs with that to me is from the New Testament, from Matthew and the Beatitudes, when it says, those that hunger and thirst for righteousness will be filled. Yes. And when I hear you talking about uh, reading the whole New Testament in that in that week and just having that craving, you were hungering, you were yes. thirsting for more of God, and he fulfilled that promise, you did find him. Yes. He did meet you there. Yes. I love uh, what you said about him uh, being so present that you did yes. not feel alone anymore. Mm -mm. No, not at all. And I, and I haven't since. Mm. I mean, there's been times and things that have happened that sometimes I think, why, Lord? But sure. never alone. Mm -hmm. That I always know mm -hmm. he's there and I can feel him. And then there was one other major incident, but I had the Lord and then I knew. But mm. when my oldest daughter was 16 years old, um, We'd finally had the money that year to go on vacation, and she didn't want to go. She had a boyfriend and was singing in the choir at church and didn't want to go. So we, we let her stay with a church family mm -hmm. two blocks from the church, two blocks from school. So in my mind, I'm thinking, how much trouble can she get in, you know, because <laughs> she was a new driver. And so uh. she knew she wasn't supposed to drive out of that little town, Rusk, which was the size of Durant. Mm -hmm. A little bit smaller than Durant. But um, so we went to Idaho on vacation, 
we just got there, and that was before there were cell phones. So we had just arrived, and my brother said, oh, sister, get in this house and call home. I don't know what's going on, but we keep getting these messages oh all day for you yeah. to call home. There's an emergency. Mm. So I called home, and um, the people that she was with, who, who I called, and they said, oh, Tonya, you got to get home. Jeannie's been in a terrible accident. Oh, my goodness. She had flipped and rolled her truck mm. um, multiple times, and it had thrown her out of the truck. And um, she had severe traumatic head injuries. Her mm. liver was lacerated. Her spleen was free-floating in her body, broken back in five places, ribs, wrist, one leg, one ankle. I mean, it was Goodness. severe, yeah. severe. Yes. And so we got on a plane immediately. He drove mm. us to the airport. We left our car, left everything, just jumped on a plane, flew all night, took us all night through all the connections to get home. Yeah. And we walked in the hospital in Tyler, Texas the next morning at Mother Francis and and went immediately to the ICU. Mm. And um, they, they had just got her out of surgery. She had been in surgery all night. And wow. when we walked by the ICU, there's a circular with the beds. And we walked around and I asked what room she was in. And they told me, but I walked by there. I thought, that's not my, that's not her. Mm. Because my daughter is five foot two. At that time, probably weighed 90 pounds soaking <laughs> wet little bitty. Well, the person in that bed was huge. Ah. And her head mm. was almost the full width of the pillow. And I know that doesn't wow. sound possible, but believe me, it was. Tubes coming out the yeah. top of her head on mm. a ventilator, tubes out her side. There were drain tubes, a chest tube. Mm. One lung had been punctured. So I said, well, where's she at? And they said, right there. Well, of course, I just fell apart. Right. And so... Um, they told us she had less than a 5% chance to live. She was in a coma. So over the next many weeks and months, she remained in a coma. So we thought she was just going to be a vegetable. But during that time, a little man came every day to the waiting room and would say, little black man, and he'd say, do you mind if I pray for your daughter? I know you have a daughter in here. And we'd say, well, wow. no, of course not, please. More yes. the merrier. So he'd go off and... We didn't see him come back out, but he'd go off and, I assumed, pray for him. Wow. In ICU. Well, so this was had went on, like, say, for, I, I don't remember how many months, but several months. And she was still in ICU recovering because she kept having to have more and more surgeries. Well, um, my, I had this dear friend who I worked with, but she didn't believe in God. And she was one of those people that even if you mentioned it or tried to have a conversation, she'd say, don't talk to me about that. I don't want to hear it. Mm. Stop. Mm -hmm. And she wouldn't even let you try to witness to yeah. her. Well, one Sunday morning, she came to the hospital and she said, oh, wait till I tell you what happened today. Well, I was trying <laughs> to interrupt her and I said, wait, 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 I got news to tell you. And she said, no, let me tell mine first. <laughs> Whatever. You had to know Betty to understand. And Betty lived in the Azalea District in Tyler, which is a, a oh, real yes. ritzy, big two-story, beautiful yes, home. Yes, very beautiful Very wealthy. Area. And Unfortunately, if you know about Texas in the South, the, the black people live on one side of town and the white people live on the other. So mm. needless to say, she lived in the ritzy white people mm. district. And and black people pretty much didn't come around over there. Yeah. And she so her story was, she said, this morning somebody rang my doorbell and it was a black man dressed in a suit and seven little black children. All dressed in little suits and Aww. little frilly outfits. And, and she said, he asked me if I had anybody I wanted him to pray for when I went to the door. And she said, I told him, no, I'm trying to read my paper and drink my coffee. Get on out of here. Wow. And that was about 
her style if you tried to talk to her about God. <laughs> Heaven forbid. Wasn't having it from yeah, anybody. <laughs> that's right, from anybody. So she said they went down, went back to the sidewalk and started down the side of the house. And she remembered her husband was in the side in the flower garden. So she was worried about him. So she went to the side door and uh-huh. she said they stopped on the sidewalk and asked her again, are you sure you don't have somebody you want me to pray for? And she told them, as a matter of fact, she said, I thought of Jeannie Marie. So I said, as a matter of fact, there is Jeannie Marie, blah, blah. And so she told them the story. She said, they stood on the sidewalk with their hands raised and prayed. Wow. And I said, Betty, did they hand you a church bulletin or invite you to church or something like Jehovah? I mean, you think 10 o'clock in the morning, if they're church going, they'd have been in church and had those kids in church. So I thought, well, maybe they were <laughs> Jehovah. She said, nope, none of that. I said, well, what church were they? I don't know. And I said, well, what happened after that? And she said, oh, they just walked on off and said, thank you. And I said, well, so now mm. I'm crying. Betty, what time did that happen? 1030 this morning. I'm getting chills already. <laughs> Jeannie Marie came out of a coma that morning oh at 10.30. Wow. So tell me that wasn't God's mm. angels. And I had always Amen. believed in angels, but yet, you know, believed, but with a little bit of, little bit of, uh, mm. yeah, but I'm not 100% <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, now I'm 100% sure. I wow. know. The Bible had already told me angels walked amongst us unknown, mm-hmm. but... But I know angels walk walk amongst us because that was genius. And, you know, after that, the little man that came and prayed all the time that yes. we never knew, he never came back. And we wow. asked people in the lobby because you get to know people, you know, yes. when you're there a long time. Yes, you do. And, out. and they, I would say, do y'all know where that little man was from <laughs> or what church? Because I wanted to send him a thank you or a yes. donation or something yes. to the church. And they nobody knew. Nobody even really remembered seeing him. Wow. So I know that we were visited by mm. multiple <laughs> angels during all that time. Wow. My genie recovered, even though they told her she'd never walk or talk again. Praise she learned, had to learn to rewrite, to write, to walk, mm-hmm. to read. I mean, she had to start over like infancy, how to yes. feed herself, how to comb her hair. Yeah. But she survived all that. They Wonderful. thought that even if she did, she would be disabled. Mm-hmm. She got married to her high school sweetheart. She um, has three children, lives independent. Her husband and her didn't make it, but she lives independent, wow. raised those babies, yeah. and did fine. So there go by the grace of God yes. without him. I, I don't think she would have made it. Yes. You know, and we yes. were blessed by those mm-hmm. visiting angels, mm-hmm. and that was God ministering to her and us and Betty. Our yes. friend Betty ended up getting <laughs> saved after that. So God works Lord. in mysterious ways, but praise the Lord. Yes, That's right. I love that. Yeah. I love that. He included her in that story yeah. so she could yeah. witness firsthand yes. the reality of his presence. Because yeah. nobody could seem to get through to her yeah. any other way, but yeah. that made a believer out of her. Wow. So that's yeah. pretty powerful. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. But that's, that's my beautiful testimony and my Two miracle mm, stories. Um, yes. There's many other lesser, but those are yes. the two that I thought so important to share to never give up. Yes. You know, when things look hopeless, either for yourself or a family member or yes. never give up. Just mm-hmm. keep turning to God and turning to God and he'll always be there and he will make the plan work the way he yes. has it planned. Yes. So. Amen. Yeah. And in that, I think a lot of people probably find themselves in in a place at one point or another in life where they feel 
somewhat like you did, like what else could happen? I mean, is that haven't hasn't there yes. been enough? Yes. Isn't enough, enough enough trauma? You know, yes. I just felt like every time I turned around, there was yes. yet another major. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know people have a lot of stuff in their life, but I just felt like, yes. Lord, did mine always have yeah. to be so catastrophic? <laughs> I mean, right. geez, but yeah. it all served yes. a purpose and strengthened my faith and yes. people around us faith mm-hmm. through that. And Jeannie mm-hmm. touched so many lives during that with her testimony and after and since then with her testimony and being able to share mm-hmm. how God literally saved her, Amen. you know, from that yes. tragedy. And yes. Yes, she's an overcomer. You're an overcomer. (laughs) Yes, I just, I see the Lord's hand Mm. through everything that you've shared with us, how he, he was at work all the time, even in the dark places. Yes, yes. When we, when we don't even know he's there, don't realize he's there, or or have chosen to think he's given up on us or whatever the scenario is, but he's always there. Amen. Always. And will always pick you up and lift you up and Set you back out there going again. Yes. Yes. So as we kind of wrap up together today, if you um, had one thing that you could tell someone who might find themselves in a very dark time or even possibly uh, considering harming themselves as a way of escape or to end things, can you, what would you say? What would, what encouragement would you give? First of all, no. God is there and God has the plan and mm. he will work that plan out mm. for good, for your good, the good of your community, the good of your church, Amen. the good of the earth, but he'll work it out. Mm. You just have to stay focused mm-hmm. and, and also know, don't hide it. I had mm. a tendency and still do today sometimes when I, you know, feel myself getting a little down, don't hide it to have a friend or mm-hmm. a minister or somebody that you openly share with. Don't try to hide it behind smiles, accept help, whether it's from yes. a coworker, a friend, a pastor, counselor, and God. Go to God mm. first and foremost mm-hmm. in prayer, mm-hmm. and He will rescue you. Mm. He will be there for you, and then seek whatever other help you need to shore that up for yourself, but go yes. to God in prayer first yes. and foremost and always. Trust Amen. the Lord. Amen. I love that, and I think when we think of the whole book of Psalms, a lot of them were written, not all of them, but a lot were written by King David, yes. and I think of the many different uh, emotions and feelings that he expresses in that book. Yes. And we are created in God's image. We're made after him. And so um, our that part of our makeup uh, was created by the Lord, and he cares about where we are. I love so many times in the Psalms where David cries out and says, "I, what else am I, am I going to do? What can yes. I do? And yet he... Almost always, I can't think of one that he doesn't end every song that he wrote in a praise or a prayer or a yes. declaration of the goodness of yes. God. God is good. Yes. And uh, in specifics, I want to mention Psalm 103 because it says, um, remember the Lord and forget not all his benefits. And then the following verses list out what those benefits are. And I think um, sometimes... It, it is helpful to just begin to tell the Lord the things that we're thankful for. Yes. Things may not be perfect. Right. Things may not be the way we wanted or expected or dreamed, or but there's always something that we can be thankful for. And I love that psalm because 
he they're just listed out line by line. Yes. And uh, so it's just a refreshing, renewing exercise for us to do to to list the things that we're yes. thankful for. So um, I, th- I think I'll just close this in prayer and mm-hmm. we'll we'll pray over these things. If you have anything else you want to add. No, just pray, okay. read your word. God is there. He'll talk to you through the word. Yes. Stay in the word. Read your Bible Amen. always, every day, <laughs> multiple times a day if you need to, but yes. read the Bible. <laughs> yes, yes. Call on him for rescue yes. and yes. relationship. Yes. Right. Yes. Okay. Father, we are so thankful for your presence. Thank you for your word. Thank you that when we want to know what your thoughts are, what you have to say, we can open our Bible and we can find direction, guidance, forgiveness, grace, mercy, love. We can find all those things in your word. Father, I know that you you say that your word is alive and active, and I pray for the listeners today that need an encouragement from you that you would just quicken within them the words from your Bible, the scriptures, as they read them, that they'll be alive and active in their own minds and and lives. I pray for those who might be listening, Father, and wondering, what am I going to do? I don't even, I don't know what to do. I don't know where to turn next. I pray, Father, that your word would be a lamp unto their feet and a light unto their path. You say that you direct our steps, and so I pray, Father, that as we look to you, that you will show us the plans that you have for us, and as we follow you, you will give us wisdom and discernment about what our next is. And Father, for for those who are struggling with traumas or with difficult things in their lives, would you bring the peace of your presence to them? I pray specifically for those who are hurting, that they would sense you wrapping your Holy Spirit around them, that they would tangibly know that you are with them, that you care for them, and that you love them. You're a good shepherd. You lead us to green pastures and to still waters, and you restore our soul. We speak restoration over every person that is listening today. In your precious holy name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. For more information about Entourage Ministries, visit our website at entourageministries.com or visit us on Facebook or Instagram. 